be like T-ball pretty soon. Touching and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No, he caught him safe. He caught him safe. Unbelievable. That is remarkable. That is unbelievable. The throw beat him by a mile. Live. Did he get him? Oh, he entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it and doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made a bumping and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Goss strike three. Osmosis. Goss strike three. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The doctor, T.C. Martin. No, my goodness no, gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Oh, get your money's worth. Get your popcorn ready. Yes. Another dynamite doubleheader coming your way today. Major League Baseball moments away from game number five between the Astros and the Red Sox. Oh, what a game last night, huh? How about that? A seven-run ninth inning, all with two outs. The Astros tie this series up two games apiece. Fenway Park, Boston, game number five, getting ready to start. Chris Sale back on the mound for the Red Sox. Framber Valdez, the rematch of game number one, which I saw in person on Friday night. We'll see if uh, the pitchers can last a little bit longer than they've lasted Friday night. Or really for that matter, any point in time during this series. No one going beyond the third inning. All right, so we got that going on. And then tonight, uh, 5.08 first pitch, back at Chavez Ravine, uh, Dodger Stadium, empty right now, probably empty at 5.08 too. Then people start pouring in at 5.27. And then by the time the sun goes down and 7.47 p.m., Half the stadium will be gone, no matter what the score is. Because that's what they do at Dodger Stadium. That's what they've always done. Dodgers-Braves, game number four there. And the Dodgers trail this series two games to one. They got a come-from-behind victory with uh, Cody Bellinger stepping up big time with the three-run bomb uh, yesterday. And the Dodgers get that victory. So another uh, you know, 3-2 game in favor of Atlanta in game one. Then we got, what, you know, 5-4 in game number two, and then 6-5 last night, and the Dodgers get that victory. So three one-run games, very exciting. And even though the Astros and the Red Sox haven't really given us one-run games, haven't given us any one-run games, given us a couple blowout games, still very, very exciting because you got so much offense in that series. So looking forward to that. So we've got baseball happening today. We'll keep a close eye on that. Look forward to to that as well, too. We're going to go across the pond. Coming up a little bit later this hour, Paul Buckpower Stewart. Yes, one of our favorites. Our listeners' favorites. They love hearing from Buckpower. All the way from London, England. The voice of the National Football League in London. And of course, Buckpower stands for the Buccaneers. Whatever he does over there. I mean, web, he's, got his, he's got the website. Covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, 6,000 miles away, whatever. 
And uh, so Paul Buck Powers, we're always fun having him on. So we will talk to him approximately about 10.30 p.m. his time there in jolly old England. And we'll get his thoughts about the last two weeks where the NFL played in London. And uh, we'll get his thoughts regarding that. And how about those matchups? You know, I, I talk about it every year. I mean, Thursday night football usually is dreadful, and the games in London are so dreadful as well, too. And what do you end up with this year? The Atlanta Falcons and the New York slash New Jersey Jets. And then you had last week the Miami Dolphins and the winless Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, winless before that because they finally got a victory. Urban Meyer, very happy about that. So there you go. So, yeah, we'll talk to him regarding the NFL in England. Talk all about that with Paul Buck Power Stewart. The big seven-footer will join us next hour. Hang tight for that. Yes, the NBA is back. That means the seven-footer's back with us on a regular basis. Last night, the Golden State Warriors defeat the Los Angeles Lakers 121-114. Big upset. Not only were the Warriors an underdog, but still playing without Klay Thompson. Steph Curry did not have a fantastic shooting night, but come into the third quarter, fourth quarter, it was a Steph Curry show. And uh, they got some other big uh, contributors as well, including Andrew Wiggins. And they won by seven points. And it was the debut of Russell Westbrook last night for the Lakers. A disappointing debut. And you know what Russell Westbrook had last night? You know, everyone talks about you know the triple doubles. Well, actually, Russell Westbrook had the quadruple single last night. Yes. Eight points, five rebounds, four assists. And four turnovers. Not a very good night. I guess, you know, if you're a Laker fan, you should be used to this. Because LeBron James, when he had his debut with the Lakers several years ago, opening night, loser. Anthony Davis had his opening night last year, loser. Russell Westbrook joins the fray, loser. I don't know what that is. LeBron James said, eh, don't worry about it. He's laughing about it. He's on his phone in the locker room. Westbrook all torn up about it. LeBron says, go uh, go watch a comedy. So you should do. Yeah, breaking news. I don't know if you know about this. Speaking of comedies, and I know Frank will, Frank is, is going to jump in. You know what I'm talking about. History of the World Part 2 is it's coming back. Now, is this actually a movie or is it a series? I'm getting conflicting reports. It's a series. All right. There you go. Bring back the piss boy. That's right. Let me check new where I was going with that. All right. Yeah. Need more information about this. Because, uh, of course, my, my daughter clued me in on this the other day. She's very, very excited. Yes. How many parents do you know that have their, like, say, four, five, six-year-old daughters? And, hey, sit down with me, uh, honey. We're going to watch Mel Brooks and History of the World. We're going to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. What? My daughter watched that at a very young age. Yeah. She loved it. Because she loved history. There you go. Mel Brooks classic. Blazing Saddles. History of the World. Spaceballs. It goes on and on. <laughs> One of the classics. One of the best. Yes. I don't know why I went there with that. Oh, because LeBron James told Russell Westbrook to go watch some comedies. All right. I'll tell you who's watching some comedies. And uh, plenty of sports is our good friend, my tag team partner, Ballpark Frank, who joins us right now from the comfort of his own home. That's right, not the hospital, but he's been back home now for nearly a week. And uh, Ballpark, what's going on, my man? Oh, like you said, I'm just kind of kicking back, uh, watching my big screen here. Uh, 
getting ready for the Astros and the Red Sox game. Uh, the pregame is going on right now. Last night I was watching a little bit of hockey, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of baseball. You know, there was no football on, but I still had enough. Uh, probably going to have carpal tunnel by the time I get back from all the channel surfing I'm doing. There you go. All right. And how many trips are you actually making over to the kitchen or the refrigerator? Or do you have, uh, you know, some of Nunchuck's valets servicing you? Uh, not really that many because right now, like I told you before, most food doesn't taste that great yeah. to me and liquids don't. I still don't drink sodas, but uh, drink a lot of water, you know, so uh, that's good. And, you know, just uh, kind of doing what I need to do around here, just uh, chilling, waiting for next week's uh, second round of chemo to take place. And uh, I still have to set up a couple other things, too. I need a PET scan, which I didn't even know exactly what that was. I heard of a CAT scan, but I apparently have to get one of those before I get my next round of chemo. chemo. Basically checks you out from head to uh, head to toe or something like that to make sure that there's no other problems with your tumors or cancer or something like that. So, but uh, I think it'll probably turn out all right. Well, we hope so, my friend. And uh, again, lots of thoughts and uh, prayers going your way. The good news is that you are back home. You're resting comfortably. You sound good. And uh, I know people, you know, want to get an update with you, how you're doing, how you're feeling, what you're going through, and everything. So. Uh, appreciate uh, that update. Yes, you know, another round of chemo starting uh, next week, and that's kind of like a a week on and a week off, right? Pretty much. Yeah, well, it, it, it's a week on, then it's two weeks off. But uh, yeah, so it's five straight days of it, which I had a little bit of a hard time even figuring out how to do it because uh, the, to do it as an outpatient, then I open Saturday, Sunday, so they actually postponed it a little bit to get all the paperwork and everything in, but. Uh, yeah, next Monday through Friday, I will be uh, going to the uh, to the place and getting the chemotherapy. And you know, the first one wasn't too awfully bad. Outside of being a little bit fatigued and losing my hair, which uh, believe it or not, TC, you now have the most hair in the studio, even <laughs> if I was there right now. But um, but uh, but yeah. So you know, hopefully, hopefully, round two isn't any worse than round one, one was. So I don't have any more hair to lose unless I lose it off my chest and my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. I, I don't need a visual of that. I, I barely need the visual of you with no hair. I still can't envision you without any hair whatsoever because I always gave Frank such a bad time. Ever since I met him, I said, how is it that you get to keep all your hair? All right. And not that you're much older than me, but you are older than me. I'm saying this guy has, has got all of his you know, follicle uh, presence there. And uh, I was always wildly jealous with that. But I still got a feeling that your hair is going to grow back. It's going to be fine. And uh, you're going you're gonna to surpass all of us here at the station, the studio. You know, not before long, you know. It's just like you waiting for a pit stop. You know, like we're watching the Indy 500, Daytona 500, or something like that, you know. And you go in for a pit stop, and next thing you know, well, you know, you're going to lap us again. I, I got that feeling it's going to happen. So I hope well, so for it's you. possible. Yeah. When it does start growing back, my plan right now is to maybe never cut it again as long as I live because uh, I keep on having, you know, you hear about people having fantasy itches or something from something that's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. I keep on taking my hand back. like I got to brush the hair out of my eyes and it's like, oh, that's right. There's nothing there anymore. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's quite disconcerting. And I thought I might be getting used to it by now, but uh, still not really that much. I'm looking at my wall here in the, in my house and, uh, I see a picture of Jerry Tarkanian with his towel, and I'm like, oh, I got something in common with him now. Uh, I also am bald, just like Tark was, and like you guys in the studio are. Oh, ooh, ooh. okay. So maybe, yeah, maybe go ahead and get yourself a little towel. Get something to bite on while you're watching these, uh, these baseball games and, and football games. How's that? 
Well, see, I'm not like you. I don't have a dog in the fight. I just want exciting games and certainly got those uh, the other night, like you mentioned, uh, the Astro with those seven runs in the ninth. And, boy, I, 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 sent, I sent you a text just before Peterson hit that three-run <laughs> bomb and they, they had that big game. And I said, they're already showing people lose, leaving yeah. Dodger Stadium. It's a three-run game in the seventh. It's like, I just wonder how many of those people came back. I, I had visions of the, uh, the freeway there trying to get back into Chavez Ravine yeah. being like that heat game from years ago when people were pounding on the doors and they're right. like, sorry, you, you, you left, stay out, get out of here. I mean, and, and it was like an afternoon game. What the hell are they doing? But that's just in their DNA. And it's always been that way. It doesn't matter if it's a day game, a regular season game, a postseason game. Again, you know, you, they arrive uh, late and they leave early. It just does not matter because in their mind and truly, and people ask me that all the time. Well, why is that? It is because of traffic. They, it doesn't matter what day or night or the importance of the game. I mean, you know, really, this was the most important game the Dodgers have of their entire season. Because if they don't win that game, I mean, you're down 3-0 to the Braves. It, it, you don't have home field advantage. It, it's over. It's done. They needed that game. And as a player and as a coach, I mean, you want the, the, your fans there to root you on. And you're right. I mean, they start bailing again. And we always see those scenes. And I've been in that parking lot, been in that little little you know, um, you know, know, curve where it goes around and around. And it's so slow getting out of that parking lot. And it's, uh, it, it's torture getting in and torture getting out. And it's just like people are so fearful of that because not only once they get out of the stadium and make their way to the freeways, they've got, it doesn't matter where you live, it's an hour drive to get home. You know, it doesn't matter. And you got to remember in their mind thinking, oh, it's a two o'clock start. So if I get out of here, like maybe around 3.30 or 4 o'clock or 4.15, well, I'm probably still going to hit that five o'clock traffic, but maybe I could, I could beat it and get home 10 minutes earlier than I normally would. That is the mentality with Dodger fans. Yeah, I, I know it's always been that way. I just don't get it. I mean, you know, when I used to go to games and that, no, I'm not going to say that I've never left a game early in my life or something like that if I had something else that I had to do in an appointment or something, but especially if it's your team and you paid money and it's the playoffs. Are you kidding me? But they are what they are. They do what they do. I just thought it was kind of funny, but I, I just laughed. It's like, you know, now back in our day too, when we were younger, you know, you always had your ticket stub. Now they do everything on the phone, but I'm wondering like, are these people still going to claim that? Oh yeah. I was at the game last night. Yeah. I was, are, are they going to lie and say that they were there and they saw Peterson's bomb when they were sitting, like you said, trying to get out of the parking lot or already on the freeway? Because I know a lot of people aren't exactly totally honest. Remember when Will Chamberlain scored that 100-point game and he said he probably met a million people that were at that game, even though it was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and there was like, what, like 8,000 or something? If that, yeah, right. No, you're right. You're absolutely correct. It's And again, you know, once you leave, there is no reentry. I mean, it says it on every exit door. You know, when you leave, uh, you know, uh, a stadium or a building or arena, and uh, I know I, I was I was looking at that last weekend there in Houston, and again I'm not leaving early, and I think I, I talked to you. You know, even though when the Astros were getting bombed in Game Two, people for the most part did not leave. There were some people left, but for the most part, people were still on their feet. You know, rallying, thinking, "Hey, the Astros are down four or five runs; they can still come back." They're staying on their feet. They're staying until the end, and and that's great because you don't get that at Dodgers. Stadium. And there's a couple other stadiums around Major League Baseball that you know ha- have the same you know mindset the Dodger Stadium has. But Dodger Stadium definitely is is famous or infamous, if you want to say, 
uh, for that, for leaving early. But, yeah, pretty pretty pathetic. Uh, all right, man. And, so- and you know, it, it's, it's funny, too, not to interrupt you, but yeah. I wanted to let you know, too, I was checking out a little bit of social media last night while I was watching some of the games, too, and I noticed our buddy Dave Koken, who, of course, is a big Red Sox fan, and he mentioned on Facebook that he said, you know, the Red Sox are 0-8 with runners in scoring position. That's got to come back and bite them. I don't think Dave was looking for a seven-run ninth <laughs> inning, but, boy, was he actually totally apropos on that. I was thinking, well, Dave, if your team lost, I hope you're at least doing a little bit of in-game wagering or something because he certainly called the shot on that one. But they waited to the last minute to do it, but when they did, it was bombs away from the Astrobats. Yeah, it was. And, again, two out runs too think about that seven two run outs and 36 two out runs during this postseason that's unheard of no team in history of baseball is even close to that 36 two run outs during this postseason and again we're only a series and a half into this thing uh it is it is totally amazing so uh yeah exciting baseball you know even though these scores are you know some of these games like the red sox you know got out to you know big leads in you know these games, you just never think that a lead is safe, especially with these bats that both uh, Boston and Houston have. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want any kind of reason why you don't leave a game early, especially in the playoffs, you don't have to look any farther than the last couple of games in both series. Mm-hmm. All right, Ballpark Franks joined us from the comfort of his own home. Really glad that he could uh, you know join us here, talk a little sports and. You know, again, I was thinking about you over the weekend, of course, because the Bears played the Packers, and I know that uh, you're probably taking a, uh, having a deep sigh right now because, again, the uh, result was very, very familiar to past results that we've seen with these two teams. And, you know, after the Raiders' victory that the Bears had here at Allegiant Stadium, I want to ask you, you know, were you feeling a little false sense of security thinking, okay, you know, fields didn't look too bad, and the Bears' defense really looked very good against the Raiders here in, in, uh, at Allegiant Stadium. Now they're going home, facing the Packers. Did you have that false sense of security, or did you really have the feeling like, okay, well, hey, this is short-lived. We know it's coming because it's the Packers at Soldier Field. No, because I watched that Bears and Raiders game, and Carl missed a lot of passes in that game. I thought the Bears' defense played well but I didn't think that Rodgers and company were going to give them that same thing, that they weren't going to miss gimme passes. I also knew that they were had no depth at running back because uh, their second-string running back was also hurt. So, you know, not that they didn't have a decent game, but uh, and I'm still not sold on fields. I still don't think he can read a defense that well at this point. He misses some open passes where he doesn't really lay the ball out and let the receiver get it. He throws it too hard. He might be a good, a good quarterback sometime. And the Packers, they struggled the week before, but I thought that was kind of a look-ahead for them and that they they were going to be ready for the Bears like they always are. The Bears fans, you know, flipping Rodgers the double burden, them him saying, I still own you and that kind of stuff. I just can't stand that guy so friggin' much, but it's probably because I love the Bears so much, or maybe I just love watching the Packers lose even more. But, no, I had no false sense of security. I would not have bet that game. If I would have bet that game and you put a gun to my head, I would have said take the Packers and lay the points because I I didn't think the Bears were ready. I still don't think the Bears are ready to beat them. It's a bad division. I'm just hoping somebody else in the NFC can beat them along the line because please don't let me survive all this crap to see the Packers win a Super Bowl. <laughs> there, There is the uh, the fan, the Bears fan, Ballpark Frank, speaking on, on that matter here. And again, yeah, it was – 
and you with Bears fans, I know that they're passionate and they're excited and but then when the Packers come to town, they want to beat the Packers, but deep down inside, you you got to feel that okay, here we go again, especially when Favre was quarterbacking them and Rodgers quarterbacking them. And we know the history about the Bears have had whatever the stupid number is, 35, 36 quarterbacks to the Packers, two over the last you know 20-plus years. But you just got to feel that Bears fans deep down inside go into these games just knowing or thinking that the inevitable is going to happen. Well, I mean, that's certainly what I, what I went into this game with. What is Rodgers is now like 22 and 5 against him or something? It's yeah. like, it's, it, it, it's a ridiculous amount. To, to me, it's actually almost still kind of amazing that it's considered, you know, one of the greatest rivalries in football because when somebody owns another team that much, sometimes that rivalry is gone. But I guess it's like Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, since Harbaugh's been in Michigan, you know, uh, Ohio State has owned them. There is always that rivalry, and it means a lot to the Bears fans, but. Yeah, I think a lot of Bears fans go there hoping that they can win, but not thinking they're going to win, not having any confidence they're going to win. And, you know, I've said it before, now that there's 17 games in the season, if the Bears go 2-15 and and the two wins are against Green Bay, I'd still rather have that than losing to them every friggin' time. It, it drives me crazy, but it almost does seem inevitable. You know, they were competitive for a little while, but I just had a feeling that, you know, Unfortunately, reality is going to strike, and it struck once again. I hope that the day comes when it's not like that. I was hoping, you know, I mean, they got a couple sacks on on Rodgers early in the game, but they didn't hit him hard enough. They got to smack him in the mouth. They got to knock him out of the game. Get him out of there. <laughs> I know, and uh, that's the thing with the Packers' offensive line. I mean, you can put pressure, you know, on him, but the Bears didn't get to him. And again, it was a totally different looking Bears defense than we saw the the week before. You know, here at Allegiant Stadium against the Raiders. I mean, they just couldn't get to him. And again, you know, Rodgers did his thing. And whether you like it or not, like, hey, I own you or whatever. I mean, that 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 literally, you know, is the case here. Now, in going back to that, and you know, talking about this rivalry that you mentioned, you know, I mean, some fans and even players are really over the top with this rivalry on both sides. And some take it, you know, really to a bad level or a derogatory level, and others can view it as as good fun. Where do you stand on this? And again, I know, you know, you know, I get on you a lot, or a lot of people just like, okay, you're in the media, you should be objective and that sort of thing. But I get it, I get it. There's, there's, you know, you were you're a fan before you got in the media, and a lot of times in the media, you know, we've got to go ahead and we've got to, you know, really try to be as objective. As we possibly can, but I'd just say from a bear stand, where do you stand when it comes to what's over the top and what is okay? This is all fun and games. Well, I mean, I think it's fun and games when it's good natured ribbing and that kind of stuff. I don't agree with you know people dumping beers on somebody or spitting on somebody or you know accosting them and trying to get them in a fight and all that kind of stuff. That's way over the top. Uh, you know, I mean. I like I said, I can't stand the Packers. It doesn't mean I don't respect them and appreciate what they've done. And, again, you know, I always take solace, and I've told you this before, you know. I mean, the Packers are only still in Green Bay because George Halas actually insisted on them keeping them in the league when other uh, Rooney and some of the other owners, Paul Brown, I believe, was one of them as well, that they wanted to cut out the small towns and get Green Bay out of there. And George Halas said, no, the Bears – you know, we need rivalries like the Bears and Packers, so they need to stay. So, in a way, the Bears kind of created their own monster that by, by not letting them get out of the league. But, but no, I mean, good-natured ribbing is fine. 
And again, I don't like the Packers whatsoever. I can't stand them. You know that. But I've also told you ever since the first time we met, I love the Bears. I hate their front office. I mean, I put this on them. They haven't built a team good enough to beat Green Bay. And that's on the front office. The players on the field, I think, give everything they have. They're just not good enough. The Packers have a better team. They have a way better management um, organization. They put competitive teams out there every year. And the, the Bears don't. Once in a while, it's like, what? Maybe they're fighting to see if they can get a wild card or something like that. I mean, that's not good enough. That division's not that good. And that's one advantage that the Packers have over everybody in that division. The rest of those teams in that division, for the most part, are garbage. They, they, the Packers almost have a buy into the playoffs every year. And that also is sickening because I even wish Minnesota was better. And Detroit, <laughs> I mean, what? Even with Barry Sanders, they couldn't win. You know, Wayne Fonts every year would start out with a terrible record and then win enough games at the end to, to save his job or whatever. But Green Bay is definitely the, the class of that division. I'm hoping that the Bears at some point get it together and figure out how to run a football team. But I'm certainly not going to hold my breath. All right, yesterday, part of our Terrible Tuesday, we talked about the Aaron Rodgers comments and I still own you and that sort of thing. Well, Olin Krutz, a guy you're very familiar with, the former uh, center for the Bears, who actually is a Hall of Fame uh, you know, nominee, uh, he was very outspoken, and here's his response to what Aaron Rodgers did. I like to punch him in his face. When you see that, that's your first reaction, right? Um, I don't care if you're right. I don't, you know, I don't care what his excuse is. That's just is your first reaction. To me, that's that's a lame excuse. At the podium, I saw some lady flick me off, and I blacked out. We all know this is the kind of guy you are. You know, competitive, and that's the way you feel. And you have won a lot of games here at Soldier Field. Uh, and you know, just because you're right, it doesn't make you right for doing it. All right, Olin Krutz, uh, one of the great centers for the Chicago Bears, still very passionate about his former team and this rivalry. No, and you know what, and, and I can see where he's coming from, and I kind of agree with him. I would add in, I'd like to pick him up by his his little man bun and slap him <laughs> around a little bit or something. But, no, I mean, I can't stand the guy. I cannot stand Aaron Rodgers. I never will. And I know back when you were talking before, like, when number four was the quarterback, and you know I'm not going to say his name, but when he was the quarterback there, I couldn't stand him either. When there was talk of him coming to the Bears, I said at that point that, no, if he comes to the Bears, then I'm done with the Bears. You can't have that kind of disdain and almost hatred. I'm not going to say on a personal level because I don't know Aaron Rodgers. You do a little bit. But as a player in that, I, I can't understand. And that's why I couldn't understand Viking fans when he came there and he played for them. You've spent so many years despising the guy and wanting to punch him in the face, and then you're buying his jersey? I would rather lose with dignity than win with one of those two guys. So when there was talk about Rodgers leaving and that, I don't want him on the Bears. I don't ever want him on the Bears. But um, do I respect what he does on the field? Sometimes. But I also hate the love affair with the announcers that they have with him. I truly think Chris Collinsworth wants to have his man-child. I really do. So here, and, and here's the thing, though. When... Okay, when you're talking about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and again, I, yeah, I do know both of the guys, and here's the thing. If people that say that they hate Brett Favre or don't like Brett Favre, they're saying it in, in a form of jealousy, okay? Because there's nothing that you can dislike Brett Favre about because his personality is great, he's a great teammate, he's a great leader, he's just a fun, great guy to be around. 100% the opposite of Aaron Rodgers, where he's got issues that the the issues that I have with him are solely I shouldn't say solely that's wrong solely off the field 
for some of the, the conduct that he has off the field, but just his demeanor on the field, the way he treats his own teammates, the way he has that me first mentality. Brett Favre never had that. So Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers are completely opposite. So when I hear people say, well, I, I, I hate Brett Favre, I hate Aaron Rodgers, I can understand Rodgers, okay? But for Brett Favre, the only reason that people are saying that is because they are envious or jealous of his accomplishments. Because as a person, it, it, it's hard not to like him. Well, I don't like either one of them because of what they've done in a Packer uniform. Yeah, you you don't like anybody so that's wearing green and gold. So, and again, as a fan, I can, right, right, I can no. understand that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. the, the one thing I will disagree with you slightly on is, and I know you know, I know you know number four, and you like him and your friends and all that kind of stuff. I, I would argue a little bit that I, I wouldn't like to. I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not on this friends list of pitchers that he's texting me or something like that because uh, <laughs> we know how that can work out, you know. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Right. 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 Know, right. Right. Exactly. You, you know. The, little Brett in the frozen tundra, I don't need to see. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ballpark Frank, uh, you sound great, man. Uh, Again, we we need you back here. We want you back here. Uh, We look forward to having you back here, man. So uh, go through your rounds of chemo. And uh, when you're ready, like I said, we got the chair, we got the mic, and we got the headsets ready for you, brother. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, like our buddy Sean Porter, you know, you don't win every round, but, uh, I feel like I'm back in the good side on the judges' scorecard here, and I think I'm going to pull up this victory. Yeah, there's no doubt. No doubt. And, again, I, I expect maybe a late-round knockout as well, too. There you go. If not uh, scorecards, it's a knockout. Uh, victor is victor. You know, uh, we'll get to Kenny Bayless or Jolton Joe Cortez to raise your hand and, you know, wrap uh, strap the belt around you. How's that? Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, plus, I, plus I, I have to live long enough to uh, go to Blue Ribbon one more time. And uh, yes. and you still keep on telling me you're going to take me to Hank, so i got to check that out one of these I'm, days. So. I'm, I'm, will, I'm willing to take you whenever yeah. uh, you are ready, my friend. That's it. Just not, That's it. Not not sure if we're going to make it to Froggies or not, but uh, I might even take a trip back to Chicago sometime when oh, I get out here because, uh, you know, looking to uh, – Looking to, uh, you know, pay back and thank some of the people that have reached out to me in person that, uh, you know, because the, the outpouring of support in that has been, uh, it's been, it's been awesome and it's actually been a little bit humbling in that. Right. But I would like to say right now to anybody that's reached out to me or said a prayer or, you know, said something on Facebook or text or anything else, uh, I truly do appreciate it and it truly does mean a lot because it is part of the mental battle and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that's made this war a, a little bit easier to deal with and, and a little bit more, uh, like I say, heartwarming. So uh, it, it's nice to know that people out there really do give a damn and that they care. They do. You got a lot of friends. You got a lot of supporters out there, my friends. So uh, just like I said, stay positive. Keep on keeping on. And uh, it's great talking with you. All right, brother. Be yeah, good, perfect. man. Enjoy enjoy, uh, enjoy your television time, your sports time, and, uh, and some comedies as well. And we'll talk to you real soon. Yeah, I will. And give my best to Buck Power and uh, the seven-footer as well when you have him on today. You got it, brother. All right. Appreciate you. There he is. All right. Ballpark Frank from the confines, the friendly confines at his uh, own home. All right, speaking of Paul Buck Power Stewart, he is going to join us next. And we come back, we've got an update from Fenway. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless, and what I say you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Got the Major League Baseball doubleheader going on right now. The ALCS game number five. The Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park coming off that 
Incredible game last night where the Astros score seven runs in the ninth inning, all two-out runs to get the victory last night over the Red Sox. 9-2, amazing game last night, and nine unanswered runs by the Houston Astros. So, the home run barrage continues as we get you updated. And in the, so both teams go scoreless in the first inning, but Jordan Alvarez sees the first pitch from Chris Sale to start the top of the second. He goes yard opposite way over the green monster in left field, and the Astros have a one nothing lead over the Red Sox here in game number five. So one nothing right now, Boston batting in the bottom of the second. We'll keep you updated with that a little bit later on. Remember, you've got Dodgers and Braves happening tonight at Chavez Ravine. All right, it is time for us to go across the pond. Yes. You know, the pond, it's really not a pond. It's a pretty damn big ocean, I think, you know. But I guess across the pond, yeah, we use it. Paul Buck Power Stewart, our good friend from England, the author, the man, BuckPower.com, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and also the longtime voice of the National Football League for games in jolly old England, and uh, one of our favorite guests here. Paul, what's going on, brother? Uh, very good afternoon, TC. First of all, it was fantastic to hear Ballpark Frank back again. He might support a terrible team in the Bears, but it was superb to uh, hear him on air again. Did you recognize that uh, theme song that Numchuck gave you and as, as you made your way down the aisle? It was fantastic. It's nice to know he knows a bit of British culture. <laughs> so you understand, you uh, know what that, that theme song was. Well, I recognised it. I recognised the music. I mean, I tend to listen to American things. You know I was born on the oh. wrong side of the Atlantic, TC. Yes, yes. You know, that was the actual uh, uh, entry song for the British Bulldogs. That was it, right there. Two of your favourite wrestlers of all time, right? Oh, re- wrestling is a sport I know very little <laughs> about, unfortunately. That and basketball are two sports I don't really cover. If they pay me enough, I'll start watching it, TC. There you go. I'm not sure we can call wrestling a sport, though, can we? I mean, definitely nowadays. It's, enta- it's, entertain- it's entertainment. It Same as allegedly what they put on in London the last two weeks for the NFL. Ooh, very nicely done. All right, well, let's go there with that, all right? London football. Two games, the last two weeks, we had the Atlanta Falcons and the New York slash New Jersey Jets, and then last week, we had the Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville winless going into that game, but they leave England with a W and Urban Meyer and company. Uh, There you go, Paul. So, you know, I've always talked about this element here, about games in, in England, I guess, are okay. I mean, I'm not... I don't get up early, don't watch it, and the main reason why I don't is because the NFL does not give us the great matchups. They give us the lower-tier teams for these games. And as a guy who's called these games yourself there in England, and as a fan, uh, not only a fan of the Buccaneers, but the National Football League there, I mean, despite the lower-level teams that the NFL dishes off for these games, do the English fans mind or not? They do not care who plays TC. It is 
NFL football, regular season games, and you can put anyone in there, the games will sell out. It would be the same as if if they held a Premier League game, soccer game, at Allegiant Stadium. Every soccer fan in Nevada would go to the game, irrespective of playing, and they would wear their team shirts to show support for the Premier League. So the two NFL games in London, the last two weeks, it didn't matter whether it was Falcons, Jets, or Jags, Dolphins. Everybody wore their jerseys no matter what team they supported. There were Raider fans there, Buccaneer fans, Cowboy fans, Patriot fans, everyone. Going Dating back, you'd have Marino shirts, Zach Thomas shirts, as well as current Dolphins, because people love the game. And that's what they're there. They're there to celebrate the game, irrespective of who's playing. When you look at the audience here, I mean, is it really a majority just true British fans who have born and raised and live there? Or is it may, maybe American transplants or a lot of uh, you know military uh, Americans that attend these games? What is the, the percentage or how does that skew, Paul? All British. It is this, The NFL has become part of the British culture. Of all the sports that we can get from around the world, I mean, yes, we've talked that Premier League soccer is king and cricket and rugby, but of all the other sports, the NFL is the most popular. And it's been over here now for 40 years. Everyone has their teams. You know, they're not going to go and change their teams no matter who you know who comes to London. So people love the game. And then when, to start with, we had exhibition games in the late 80s, early 90s. Then we started getting regular season games in 07, and really it's taken off from there. So I don't agree that there were four games in London a couple of years ago. I thought that was wrong. And my view is there should be one game in London, one game in Mexico City. Now, the NFL announced two weeks ago they are looking to take a game to Germany, possibly from next season. Um, There are three potential cities they're looking at. But that would be great because the Germans love their NFL football. They really support NFL Europe when it happens. And I think it's a case of, you know, if you can handle the travel, then take teams over there for one game. It's a little unfair on the home fans who lose a home game. But... It is about promoting the sport around the world. So we know the games have been in London. And has there ever been any talk or has there ever been any games in a different city in England? No, there haven't. Um, I mean, NFL Europe, we had, there was a team, the London Monarchs, obviously based in London. They tried going round to a couple of other cities, but that didn't work. But to be honest, the Monarchs were a bit of a joke by then. There was a team in Scotland, the Scottish Claymores, who played at the biggest rugby stadium, Murrayfield, and they would get 10,000 people at an 80,000 stadium. It was like watching the Chargers play in their last year in San Diego. So, you know, it didn't work. So to be honest... You know, if there's going to be a game, it's always going to be in London. The NFL signed an agreement with Tottenham to hold the games at their new stadium. They're one of the top Premier League clubs here in England. So that's really where it's always going to be. Now, as I said, I'm not sure which of the German cities is likely to get the game. But really, the view from across the Atlantic is is if it's not London, it's nowhere. I understand. Now, Paul Buckpower-Stewart joins us from England talking about the NFL uh, in England there in the last two weeks. Like I said, we, uh, the Falcons and the Jets and then Miami and Jacksonville. And that's it pretty much uh, for the rest of this season. They're already looking at the schedule coming up for next year as well, too. And there could be, you know, like you said, maybe even uh, some expansion there. Um, I'm curious, too. So when you are in 2019, 
the Buccaneers, your Buccaneers, actually played Carolina there. And how was that for you, having your team there? Well, I was calling the game um, in the stadium, doing the play-by-play, and I was so focused on doing that job properly and professionally, having been now asked to do that, I really wasn't aware of the game going on and what the score was. And it's very strange, you know, and if you're doing a play-by-play on TV, you're very focused in the game and you know the situation. When you're just calling each individual play and listening, you're listening to the spotter call the numbers and you're translating it for the commentary for the people, you're not really aware of the game. So to be honest, when the game finished, I really had no idea what the score was. I was so focused on the play-by-play. I didn't enjoy it as a Buccaneer fan would because I was working, which is very strange, but that's what I was employed to do that day. Right, right. So we see a lot of the lower-tier teams, and we've talked about that before, but when you go back to the history here, have there been some teams that have not played in London? I mean, I'm trying to go back, and I'm trying to think if the Packers – came there. They, I think, they are the only ones. Yeah. The Packers are the only team that have never played an international that's series. What, that's game. what I, I never remember them going back there. So then that got my, my mind going saying, okay, well, how many other teams have not been back there to play? And again, it's well, always think, lose the lower really, te- the yeah. lower tier teams because, like you said, you have to give up a home game, yeah. and you're not going to, you know, Jerry Jones doesn't want to give up a home game. You know, the Packers aren't going to give up a home game, and and again, you know, even like the Patriots, I mean, you're not going to see that either. No, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head, TC. Originally, the plan was going to be that it was going to be rotated around all the NFL teams that they would play, they would lose a home game and go to the international series. But the likes of Jerry Jones are very powerful in the NFL. And, you know, what they say goes, they carry more than just one vote out of 32. Again, if the Packers lose a home game, it would cause a riot up in Wisconsin. They're not going to do it. Whereas someone like the Jaguars, who haven't been that successful, they don't have a loyal fan base they were able to sell their souls to get to have that game in london and be financially rewarded for doing it so that is why they signed a deal to play one of their games in london for x number of years now the rams actually tried to do that when they were in st louis then found out their lease wouldn't allow it so you're always going to see what i'd call the lesser teams you're never going to see a sort of Dallas-Washington matchup in London, for example. You're never going to see probably a, you know, a, a Raiders, I'm trying to think, Raiders-San Diego, Raiders-Bears type matchup. Raiders-Chiefs, yeah. Chiefs are not going to give up a home Chiefs. game. It's right. not going to yeah. happen. Right. So Because they know the British are going to go and watch the game no matter who's playing. So I think, yes, the, the very first exhibition game that was played in 86 were the Super Bowl champion Bears playing the Cowboys because I was there and I called that game. So that was all about bringing the big names over to see how it would work. Now they know whoever they send will go, so it doesn't matter they take anybody because all the British fans will come out of the weeds to watch whoever's there. What is the biggest difference in crowd reaction during a football game, an NFL game there in London compared to the U.S.? I mean, again, there's no there's no home team support, TC. Okay. So whereas if the Raiders are driving, the crowd goes quiet, so you can hear David Carr call the signals. If the Raiders are on defense, everybody's getting loud, trying to cause disruption for the opposing quarterback. You watch a game in London, and all people want to see is entertaining football. So there's no huge crowd noise. There's no home support. Every touchdown is cheered. Every big play is cheered, whether it's offense or defense, because... 
there's no real partisan support. I mean, yes, the Dolphins would have had probably a couple of thousand fans there because Miami is quite a popular team because people have been on vacation. They've come back supporting Miami. So they would have a bit more of a cheer, but nothing like you see in your home games. You know, it, there's no home support at all. But is the crowd boisterous the way they are during a soccer match where they're singing and they're chanting and that sort of thing? Or is that void in an NFL game there? No, not really. Because again, even in Premier League, if you have a 50,000 capacity, 45,000 will be for the home team, 5,000 for the away fans. So there's a very much a part of the, you know, there's a very much partisan support. You've got so many neutral fans at the London Games, that there's nothing, there's no one getting together to try that. Now, when the Bucks came over in 09, and I was involved in this, we, we you know, we put Buccaneer flags out on all the chairs. We were trying to create the impression the Bucks were the home game, but they were playing New England and Tom Brady. So everyone wanted to see they knew the Patriots were going to win. So all those flags just got put in people's bags and taken over souvenirs. <laughs> Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us from England, talking about the NFL in England, of course, Paul has a great website there at buckpower.com covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers covered him here in the States covered him there in England as well too all right so tailgating is there much tailgating when you go to these games in England Paul and I want to know what is the food fair if they do tailgate do they understand what tailgating is and is that kind of a, a thing for soccer matches there Okay, yes, we do know what tailgating is. The the game at Tottenham, there is nothing in the area around it where you could tailgate. It's right in the middle of a really built-up area because Tottenham, the football team, Tottenham's an area of London, so the, the, the city sort of grew up around it. So they put the new stadium in next to where the old one was, but there's no real car parking. You have to use public transport to get there. So people aren't going to wheel barbecues and, and crates of beer on the London Underground to go and drink in a game like that and even when they had a game at Wembley and there was some parking you didn't really have fan tailgates there was an NFL type tailgate experience where you could buy merchandise and, and I mean I spoke at it you know I, I did a brief presentation with some of the Bucks officials there but no so there's no tailgating at those games now four weeks from now I'm coming out of Florida because I can finally travel and I'm going to be going to a big Buccaneer tailgate and that's part of the experience for me is going but no we don't don't have it over here simply because the infrastructure isn't there to do it. Yeah. You know, I saw a very cool video of the uh, transformation of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium going from football or soccer to the NFL game, you know, last week. And I thought that was pretty cool. But that is not an an easy undertaking, is it? Because, again, you're, you're moving stands, you're, you're getting a whole new pitch out there and everything. Like, talk a little bit about that. Have you ever witnessed anything like that as you got ready? you know for these games here and broadcasting them that was the, they're the that's the first British stadium that's had that facility put in where you can you bring like a different field in on a tray right. you know to go above the grass um, and, you know, all the grass goes above it. Now, I think the Arizona Cardinals Stadium had something similar where the right. grass stays outside in the sunlight. And, and the Raiders and have that now here too, Paul. The Raiders actually are. have that. You bring yeah. it into the stadium yeah. for the game. Yeah. So, it's the, you know, that's how technology has changed. You know, you can think back to the original Astrodome. They put grass in there the first year. It okay. all died. So they had to create AstroTurf. So, yes, Tottenham is the only stadium that has that. Um, it is primarily, obviously, a soccer stadium. 
because Tottenham are going to play sort of 25 to 30 home games there a year in different competitions as well as the Premier League. But yes, they can transform it for the NFL and then they can have concerts on a AstroTurf type field if they want to bring that in without damaging the grass. But it is very, you know, it's a real cutting edge technology. What is the reality of London getting an NFL team from your perspective or people's perspective there? It's, well, I mean, it's certainly show it's never, ever, ever going to happen because of the travel issues. Yep. And just out of interest, every NFL team normally has a bye week straight after because it is such a strain on, on the players and the officials. Miami this week are going to try and play without that bye week. And I think, I mean, Miami is struggling anyway. I think you will see the real effect. People over here, this, I think the last couple of years, people have begun to accept yeah, you know, it's never going to happen. They've come to that realism. I know when I've been presenting on British TV, I've almost had to take the view of, wouldn't it be fantastic? The minute the we go to a commercial break, I'm saying things like, yeah, come on, guys, I know it's not going to happen, and it won't. So there will never be a London NFL team at any time until Concord 2 is created and we can cross the Atlantic in two hours. How aggressive have ownership groups been to try to obtain an NFL team whether it's an expansion or whether it's a relocation, not at all. Okay, there. Not- no, I think I think even if that'd be one of the reasons why, even if they got an NFL team, there would be no what I call British group interested in purchasing. We've just had one of the Premier League taken t- teams, Newcastle, taken over by a Saudi. Um, corporation and because of all the human rights issues in Saudi Arabia that's become a massive thing over here in the in the British press this week so no there's no and there's no group of people wanting to buy an NFL team for London in the same way as if an NFL team went up for sale somewhere in America there'd immediately be a whole bunch of groups waiting waiting to come in and step in so I mean you yes you have British owners, so you have Shard Khan, who's owner of the Jaguars, who owns Fulham, who are a, a second-level team. You've obviously got the Glazer family, who own Manchester United and the Buccaneers. And there's some cross-ownership with other teams. Um, but really, no, there's no ownership group waiting for a team here saying we'll throw X amount of dollars at it if it happens. All right. How closely is anyone watching the Major League Baseball postseason there? <laughs> well, my interest finished... Um, when that ball got kicked over the uh, short fence <laughs> by that Red Sox player a few weeks ago, or as, as a friend of mine said, the Rays had a bad week to have a bad week. Yeah. So, yes, my team, the Tampa Bay Rays, we won 100 games. It didn't happen for us in the playoffs. So, yes, people are watching the baseball playoffs because people love baseball. There are enough people beating their trash cans over the Astros Red Sox <laughs> series because that's going to be a big thing. And I can see by the look on Nunchuck's face that that's gone to his sense of humor. I think really, TC, um, people are going to have their baseball teams they support. There are Red Sox fans, there are Astro fans, there are Dodger fans, there are Braves fans. Then there are fans of other teams who are looking forward to the World Series. Now, I will watch each game of the World Series morning because of the time you know the time it starts without knowing the score and i just want to see good baseball and if it goes seven games fantastic and that's the thing i mean you know they're used to football there they're used to basketball there but with baseball i just didn't really know how into it they were because again there are no major league baseball teams i mean it's not like you have a whole bunch of little leagues and that sort of thing and on high school and college programs do you i mean or is baseball becoming popular there well, baseball has always been popular over here. We had two games in London in 18 and 19. The Yankees and Red Sox yeah. came over. 
Um, I didn't get involved in commentating on that one. But there's been a British league for over 100 years. And even I played in the British Baseball League for 14 seasons. I've actually played baseball for Great Britain. Although if I threw my fastball down the interstate, I would not get a ticket for speeding. Um, <laughs> baseball has been big. You know, and, and, and again, people love the sport. You know, we had a lot of Americans played. I mean, I used to play against a guy who, who'd been at, who'd been at AAA and then went into the American Air Force and played on a base team. Um, it is a popular sport. There are around about 150 teams in the UK. There is youth baseball, you know, and kids baseball, not at a very high level. But no, again, it's a sport people love, just the same as people love basketball over here and people love hockey as well. All right. He is Paul Buckpower Stewart. Great insight to what is happening over there in in England. We appreciate it. And again, Paul's co- uh, covered the NFL and called games, uh, the NFL in Europe, and of course the NFL uh, games there during the course of the past few seasons as well, too. So uh, always great stuff, my friend. Fantastic stuff. And uh, we no, appreciate it's you. Interesting. I mean, something about the Jaguars finally ending their 20 game losing streak. I was really pleased they did because the Buccaneers have the all-time record at 26 games to start their history. And my latest podcast features that game where they broke the streak, where they beat the New Orleans Saints. Archie Manning was the quarterback, said it would be a disgrace to lose to a winless team. And I've gone back and played all the clips, and I've done that game. And I want the Buccaneers to keep that record, even though it's a terrible one. It's part of Buccaneer history. So I was very glad the Jaguars won. I mean, it was nothing to make a song a dance about, or in Urban Meyer's case, a dance. But it was quite a celebration for the Jaguar fans to finally win a game. All right. He has a fantastic website. Check it out. Buckpower.com, chronicling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's got this date in history, all this other great stuff. So go check it out at buckpower.com. Paul, great stuff, brother. We'll talk to you soon. It's been a pleasure. All the very best, guys. You got it. There he is. All right. Ballpark Frank says hello and appreciate his thoughts uh, there. Paul right back at him. And uh, coming up next hour, we talk NBA season openers, the Bucks victorious last night, the Warriors victorious, and the guy who's there. In the Bay Area, Big Bill Cartwright joins us next. Takes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two on this wild Wednesday Major League Baseball postseason. Astros Red Sox as we speak. The Astros got a one nothing lead courtesy of Jordan Alvarez's home run. And yes, what are we seeing for the first time pitching? Especially on the Astros side. The Red Sox do not have a hit as Framber Valdez looking like the old Framber Valdez. Not the one that I saw in person on Friday. It couldn't even get out of the second inning. Jeez. All right. That's okay. Uh, one nothing. Astros lead the Red Sox. This series tied two games apiece. And later on, Chavez Ravine, the Dodgers hosting the Braves. Dodgers a huge favorite tonight. 220. Oh, and you, you know why? And people say, how can the Dodgers be such a huge favorite 
When they were down 2 nothing in the series, they got the victory yesterday. The Bellinger home run in the bottom of the eighth got a 6-5 victory. We saw two Braves one-run victories in games one and two. And now, all of a sudden, the Dodgers, because they win a game, they're 220 favorites. Oh, because the opener is going to go for Atlanta. Yeah, the opener. The relief pitcher is going to start. Every day, it seems like we're talking about this. I mean, to the naked eye, you look at this and say, how are they a $2 favorite, 220 favorite? Well, it's all based on pitching, right? Yes. Unbelievable. The Braves, and probably one of the most important games of their entire season, needing to get a victory here, are going to throw Jesse Chavez. Jesse Chavez is going to get a start. Probably won't go any more than two innings. Go back and you look at what Jesse Chavez has done so far this season for the Braves. Well, let's see. The longest outing he's had, two innings on two different occasions. Last time he pitched against the Dodgers, two-thirds of an inning, one inning, inning a third. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Dig into that bullpen nice and early. Unbelievable. All right. We talk a little NBA basketball, huh? It is that time. The NBA has rejoined. We're back here. That's right. The big seven-footer is now rejoining us because we've had two games opening night last night, and then we've got a host of many games tonight. The NBA is back, and so is the five-time NBA champ, Big Bill Cartwright. What is happening, my man? You have to be very pleased that our NBA season is starting because everybody's 0-0. I yeah. mean, everybody right now is going to the playoffs, every single team. This is the greatest time of the year for players, coaches, GMs, fans. Everybody is enthusiastic about NBA basketball because everybody's going. Well, you got so two teams that are 0-1 right now, all right? Remember that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know what? <laughs> um, first games are always, believe me, and you know, they're the worst. They're the absolute worst. First game, first outing, uh, they're always uncomfortable. I'm not really sure why, uh, but but they just are. So, and you know that NBA is you know you base it on blocks, blocks of five, blocks of ten, fifteen, and around you know when we get a little more important games, then now we got to send for who everybody is. So that, that's what makes it fun. That's what uh, that's that's why you watch. And uh, I think this season's going to be really interesting because of all the changes, personnel play changes, coaches changes. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, who's the favorite? Who's supposed to win this year? And I think once again, we we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea who's supposed to win. So I think this is this is going to be a great year. All right, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks—they get a victory last night. They're one and zero. Looks like they just picked up right where they left off. Giannis a huge game. Chris Middleton as well. Pat Connington—they looked rock solid. And then last night uh, we had a pretty exciting game, and it was an upset as the Warriors <laughs> defeated the Lakers one twenty one one fourteen. Uh, very disappointing debut for Russell Westbrook, his first game with the Lakers. He actually, Bill, we always talk about, you know, triple doubles. Well, 
Actually, Russell Westbrook had a quadruple single last night. He had eight points, five rebounds, four assists, and four turnovers last night. Uh, give me your thoughts as you watch the Warriors come from behind and beat the Lakers last night. Well, yeah, they gave up a 38-point uh, fourth quarter, which you know, you're not going to win many games doing that. But I think the big thing for the Lakers is that we kind of have an idea of how guys, they've got really good role players. Uh, they've got basically good shooting. Uh, LeBron, you know what you're going to get. And Westbrook, you know what you're going to get from that kid because he's, you know, he's full of energy and he knows, he knows kind of his game. And, and you do too. The guy who's the X factor always uh, for the rest of the season is going to be their, their big guy, uh, Davis. So we'll see how that kind of falls out, but. If they're going to have a great year, uh, Anthony Davis has got to play great this year. He's, he's got to be a star. He can't be hurt. He's the X factor on that team. Yeah, LeBron James uh, and Anthony Davis both lost their season openers when they joined the Lakers, and then Westbrook did the exact same thing last night. And LeBron was sitting there saying, "Hey, man, it just you know, hey, go go home, watch a comedy, uh, don't beat yourself up because Westbrook was upset." And Anthony Davis was saying he was the exact same way last year when he joined the Lakers, you know, losing their first games. You know, how difficult is it to play with a new team? And you did it. In your career, I, and I'm going to say you did it three times because I'm going to count your very first game in the NBA when you got drafted by the Knicks, but then you know you went to the Bulls and then you went to the Sonics later on in your career. How difficult is that first official game with a new team? Well, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to figure out uh, you know, kind of what your role is and exactly how much of it you're going to get. And... Uh, you know, and your second group of starters, what is their rotation going to be like? Um, what If you have to go small, what's that like? If you've got to go big, what's that like? And what is your – how's your defense going to be this year? How are you going to play the last five minutes of the game? Because basically they – both state scored every single time on the floor. So – You've got to own the last five minutes of the game, and what's what's your best what's your best lineup to end the game? Um, you know the Lakers have just got to play smart, just like every other team in the league. How are you going to finish games? Um, who's going to get the ball? Who's going to be your stopper? And to me, that's going to be the interesting thing uh, that they're going to have to learn throughout the course of the season. And that's everything. Every team's got to figure it out. The Warriors, you got to be really excited because they've got so many young guys, and uh, they they're really in the same boat. So uh, I, I thought what was interesting in that game is that um, you know the Warriors they can really score, but their interior defense. You know, they've, they've got no shot blockers back there, and Lakers continue to shoot jump shots, which, you know, I found to be pretty, I don't know, for lack of a better word, pretty stupid. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, and there's a lot of teams. Clippers, uh, question mark. 
Uh, we got a we got a new coach in Portland. We got a new coach in Dallas. Uh, what's San Antonio going to do? Uh, what what are our Sacramento Kings going to do? They're very they're very high on themselves. Uh, what are they going to do? And that's just West. So, uh, like I said, it's going to be a great year. There's no favorite team. We don't know uh, who's going to win the championship right now. Uh, it's just going to be, I, I think, an amazing year. And the Lakers have a whole new roster here. I mean, basically, you've got James and Davis. They're the only guys coming back. And you have one other guy who's injured right now. But for the most part, I mean, they've got nine new guys on this team here. And one of those guys, obviously, is Russell Westbrook. What is the best advice that you would have for a new teammate coming in? I know that you went through this when, you know, like I said, you know, you had Dennis Rodman come in. You've had different teammates come in from different teams. If uh, there's a piece of advice that uh, you would give somebody, what would that be when they're joining your squad? Well, you know, it's just like any any team of established players. you got to let those guys do what they do and what they do well. And then just play with things or something. You don't have to do anything special. You know, uh, when you're on a good team, you don't have to do anything special. You just have to do what you do really well. And then some nights you'll have to do more. But if they can do that, and if they can incorporate their, like I said, that uh, people like to call it the bench. I like to call it their second group of starters where they're out there. And allow those kind of teams to grow, and that's every team in the league. If they can grow as a team, and somehow uh, coaches will play five or I'm sorry, ten guys, uh, it's always remarkable when they're uh, you got fourteen, fifteen guys, or even gals over there, and you're playing like seven, eight people. Uh, this is a really bad sign. So if you can play 10 guys, 10, 11 guys during the course of the season, now you got a strong team. Now you've got somebody the second half of the year, and as you're going into the playoffs, you've got a really formidable team to deal with uh, throughout this long season. And let's face it, something's going to happen during the course of the year. Hopefully nobody gets sick, but guys get hurt, guys have to step up. Um you build your team by playing guys by the end of the season much stronger. Yeah, let's face it, it was a lot more fun to watch. Yeah. Big Bill Cartwright joins us, the five-time NBA champ, talking about the season openers last night and more season openers tonight. The Milwaukee Bucks, they got to collect some jewelry last night, something that you know a little thing about. Uh, they blasted uh, the Nets 127-104. Uh, give me some ring ceremony moments, man. Is that something that, again, it's it's you really look forward to? You got to wait a long time before you get to collect some jewelry in this game. You know, uh, usually it's like four or five months, six months sometimes. Uh, you know, since you win a championship, is it, g- give me give me how that opening night is at home when you actually get some hardware. Yeah, it's it's good and bad because you know you, you know you're gonna get your ring. Um, you know, for us, we got our rings. Uh, they actually presented uh, a necklace for, for the wives or girlfriends. And in some situations, the parents actually were able to get some stuff. But uh, it is it is an important night, but it is a huge distraction. It's long. Uh, you're, you're waiting to get your stuff. 
and then you end up giving it to uh, you know your spouse, and then they show it off, and then you're you're playing in the game. So uh, it is an opportunity to lose focus. Uh, Milwaukee did, 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 didn't seem to bother Milwaukee last night. They played terrific, but uh, for us, for me, as as you know, you know me, uh, that's that's really a distraction. I'd rather they just hand it to us, walking in the door. Hey, congratulations, good. Right. Double done. Now let's move on. Right, exactly. And you're talking about you know losing focus and all that other kind of stuff. And then you can you can lose your stuff too. You can lose your jewelry. I mean, pass it to your spouse, something else. I mean, come on, man. I mean, you got to take care of your stuff there. You know, <laughs> you better take care of your stuff. But uh, you got to be careful who you're giving to that too. You know, you never know. I mean, better give it to somebody uh, they can they can definitely trust, yeah. right? <laughs> Fortunately, with my wife, I, I can give it to her. She's not going anywhere anytime soon. So, uh, uh, yeah, my, uh, my my rings were in a good spot. But the bad thing is that now what you got them, now what are you going to do with them? Because you, you can't wear them. Um, uh, in my case, I, I, I never displayed them. Uh, as a matter of fact, I haven't seen them you know, probably in about four years. So uh, it's... Um, is this something you, you kind of know you have? It's very, very cool. You're very thrilled. You're able to win a championship. Uh, but uh, the reality is, nah, I'm not going to wear that thing. It's too gaudy. It's too yeah. big. Well, with your wife, I, I, I'd i be concerned, you know, her uh, finding in the bottom of that big purse that she has there. You have all that other stuff that's in there. I mean, it might take her forever to find it. That's why I'm a little concerned there. No, no, don't worry. My I am my wife. She's very secure. As a matter of fact, she'd be more concerned about her own jewelry before mine. It's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> exactly. Hey, the Nets, that's who the Bucks uh, drilled last night. Uh, Kyrie Irving doesn't want to get vaccinated. He can't play. There's more drama over there. It just... <sighs> And, you know, I know you've, you've been through this yourself here. I mean, when you have drama going on, you know, in your locker room... I mean, it's got to be such a distraction, especially when you haven't even played a game yet, and then you know that you've got some of these characters that are that are on your team. I mean, talk a little bit about what's going on there, and just in general, when you know you're having these unnecessary drama, you're seeing it in Philadelphia with the Ben Simmons thing. You got Doc Rivers kicking Ben Simmons out of practice. He's not going to play, you know, tonight in the season opener against the Pelicans. I mean, do you really want to have drama as a player before the season even starts? No, nobody wants drama, but you know, if you've got great leadership on your team. And you've got a great GM, you've got a great coach, and you've got teammates, those other guys in the locker room, able to stand up and say, hey, look, our goal here is to, is to win. Uh, and not saying that you're not supporting your teammates, but saying that, hey, look, that's, that's not all about the team. That's all about the individual player. They've got their own things to settle we're, we're going to figure out a way to, to win basketball games until they're back. And look, that's, that's the nature of the beast anyway, whether they're disagreeing or whether they're getting traded or no matter what the situation is. And look, what's the bottom line? Players, coaches, we don't own that team. GM, nobody. Somebody else owns that team. This is a job. And it is... 
you know, it is their right not to play. If they don't want to play, fine, go play. The next guy up and give him an opportunity. And and ultimately, for me, it's sad because, look, how many years of basketball do you have? Right. This is special. You're a professional athlete. You're, you're, you're in a small percentage of folks in the world who can play in the NBA. And if you want to give that up, that's on you. Once again, um, I don't pretend to understand it. I can't make sense of nonsense. Uh, but that's but that is right. If you didn't want to play, next guy, let's step it up. Let's go ahead and play. That's it. And if you're a malcontent, you, you get rid of him. And I like the Ben Simmons situation. You know, that's it. I mean, that's um Philly. Okay, they made the mistake of drafting this guy and overvaluing him and overpaying him. And if you got a malcontent guy, you've you've got to think chemistry first. And I know that you're on the same page with me with this. I mean, chemistry is huge here. It doesn't matter the riches of talent that you have. If you don't have chemistry, you're not going to win championships. For example, look. let's look at this Nets roster. I don't know if you've taken a very close look at this roster, but you've got Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Joe Harris. I mean, three-quarters of your team basically are all-stars. And it's crazy that opening night you get blasted by 17 points. You fail last year. And if you are Kevin Durant, you got to be kind of shaking your head a little bit. Well, I left the Warriors for this nonsense. you got the drama on top of it. Plus, you know, know, only so many guys could touch the basketball here. But – it's crazy to look at this roster, and then I don't think of them as being a great basketball team. Great talent, but I don't see them being a great basketball team. Well, these guys are—they're all, you know. Well, of course, Kevin Durant's great, uh, so so we'll, we'll say that. But I'm just saying they—they they have great talent. But the thing is to be able to get them all on the same page. So there's got to be some strong leadership. And whether that comes from Steve Nash, whether that comes from one of the benches on the team, they got to do whatever they got to do to win basketball games. So, uh, and that Philly's in the same situation. They've got to do whatever they got to do to get on the same page. So, uh, to me, with that situation in Philly, if this guy wants to be traded, just like Harden wanted to be traded, it's harder to get traded if you're acting like a jerk. Right. Right? It's much harder. So you'd be better off playing and just keeping quiet. You'll have a better chance at opportunity. Because, look, nobody wants controversy on their team. Nobody wants um, to maybe think that this guy's not a good person. No fans are going to want that. So it's just it's just a shame for me that this is going on right now um, where it should be kept quiet. Um, everybody in that organization should know and, and maybe the league, but nobody outside of that should know that this guy wants out of there. Right. I loved uh, Joel Embiid's uh, comment uh, yesterday uh, when he was talking about Ben Simmons. At this point, I don't care about that man, honestly. He does whatever he wants. Uh, you know, That's not my job. 
Uh, you know, that's those guys' jobs. Uh, you know, I'm only focused on trying to make the team better, uh, win some games, uh, you know, play hard every night, uh, and try to lead, you know, the guys that we have here. Uh, and I'm sure they feel the same way because, you know, our chemistry has been excellent uh, despite, you know, everything that's been happening in the, uh, in the last few months. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, uh, I, don't, I don't really care. I don't care about that man, and it's not our job to babysit someone. I love those comments, and it's too bad that you know now it becomes a, a circus. But good for the player, uh, you know, standing up here and saying, you know what, if this guy's a distraction, get him out of here. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, if he, if that's who he really is, and look, I like Ben Simmons. I think that he does that value. I think that he is extraordinarily talented. And in the right situation, he could be very formidable. But he he has to have his own vision of what he could do to help that basketball team right now, him and Doc Rivers. Uh, they haven't figured that out. And it's just too bad. This guy has gotten to this point to where he hates being there. So uh, that's that's on them. That's on the organization. It's just gotten too far. And that's another thing, too. If you weren't happy, if you were just happy, where where you been the whole offseason? Right. Where you been? Where were you last year? So uh, now now it comes down to where it's it's some teams gonna have to take a, a chance on you. Hmm. And it's not going to look good coming in because right now you you look like you're not you're definitely not a great teammate. That's for sure. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's going to be very very difficult uh, to to get traded right now. Right. All right. Big Bill Cartwright uh, joins us. Uh, you mentioned Sacramento. You know earlier they've got a situation there with Marvin Bagley. Remember this guy was the second overall pick back in 2018. He's had a rocky relationship with the Kings. Uh, his uh, his agent notified uh, everyone, saying, "Hey, you know this guy wants to be tr- traded." And now the Kings have came back uh, this morning and said, "You know what? We've notified Marvin Bagley that he will not be in the rotation." Now it's one thing you're not going to be starting. You're not even going to be in the rotation. And like I said, been seeking a trade. The Kings won't do it. But now they're not going to pay him either. Uh, you know, because he's on an expiring contract here. This is seems a little bit crazy. And then now you've got the agent who is really kind of, you know, going out and about and, and putting the business out there. Uh, give me your thoughts about the Kings and Bagley. And how would you feel about your agent, you know, being really kind of your spokesperson before you've even suited up for game one here and, 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 and saying these things? This is crazy. And, and, you know, you you and I are Sacramento guys, so this is like something that should have been dealt with this summer. I always thought it was amazing that they were still talking about me. They don't know how good this guy is right now. We don't know where he is. You don't know where he is. You're like, how long do you have to watch him to know if he fits in with your team or not? So this is really confusing. So if you didn't want this guy... Shouldn't you have made a deal with him this summer or at least earlier and maybe once again kept it quiet? I, it's, it's just remarkable to me 
of what's happening now with with, with guys who want to be moved, and you've, you've got to have this chaos. You've got to have this this, this screaming, this, this thing in the press and media so that now everybody knows how much they hate the team and how much they want to get out of there. It's it's just really remarkable. So here's here's another case. And this kid, uh, you know, I've been on I mean, and watched him practice. So I mean, this this kid could be pretty good in the right situation, but he, he just for some reason he just doesn't fit in there. And, and so I think- uh, it's just more chaos. What do you what are you making of all the chaos in this league with with and people talk about my friend, my old GM, Jerry Krause. This will never get out. Right, right. This will never get out. And, and this is the reason why. Stuff like this wouldn't get out. Because well, the media, once it gets it, it, it just blasts it all over the place. Hmm. And, and there's no possibility of getting traded. Right. Well, I mean, you went through this, you know, to a certain degree. And we've talked about this before with Dennis Rodman. I mean, he's there, and he was, you know, went a wall, did his thing. He was back and forth, and we know that, you know, there were guys that, you know, didn't like, you know, what was going on there. So, I mean, you had you saw this firsthand. I mean, one of your own teammates, and 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 that was a disruption, right? And and there was Jerry Krause right there, but again, that was wasn't really the Bulls putting that out. I mean, that was Dennis putting it out, right? Well, look, <laughs> at that point, uh, we had a very special team. We had, you know, a great GM, great coach with Phil, who could handle, you know, the problems that were going on. And, and everybody saw him. I mean, during the season, at playoffs, this guy wanted to go to Vegas. <laughs> so he went to Vegas. Well, I can't blame him for that. We, I mean, come on. We handled it. Well, not during the season. I know. But I'm just saying that we handled it. The organization held it in-house. So we we could have blown it up. But why do that? Because it doesn't help. It doesn't help the situation. It doesn't help the team. It doesn't help the player. The only thing it does help is to blow up the media and make it worse. And, and I think and it's just, it's just a great lesson. And I think you know this is the most frustrating thing I think you know for me or fans or even you know like yourself, former players, that before we've even tipped off the season and played one game, the headlines now are guys that don't want to be there. And like you said, you've had an entire off season to get this. And like you said, every team, every organization should be feeling like, hey, we're it shouldn't be going to this with any negativity. It's like. We're zero and zero, like you said. We're a playoff team. We want to be a playoff team. Let's see how this uh, this whole thing unfolds. Everybody should be full of hope. And you've got Kyrie Irving, you've got Ben Simmons, you got Marvin Bagley. We've got these great players, all making a lot of money, all first high first round picks, and they're or veterans that have been in this league. And it is taking away from the spotlight of the beginning of the season. We're talking about guys that don't want to be there instead of talking about, you know, who we're looking forward to watching playing and who do we think is going to be, you know, in the championship this year. It's just, it's just horrible. It's just horrible on so many levels. Of, uh, you know, for your GM, for your coach, for your, for your team, uh, it just makes it seem like you don't care about your teammates. And then now, how about the guys who are just fighting to get in the league? These guys are fighting to get in the league, will do anything to play, 
and these guys are trying to leave. It, it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's luck. I can disagree, but I know that I'm privileged to be here. I am privileged to be on this lake, and you've got to have a certain amount of respect for that. Is that I'm lucky? God touched me. Something happened. And somehow I ended up playing basketball for a living. You got to be kidding me! <laughs> get along, get along a little bit, and try to figure this stuff out without all this hype and without all of this this mess that you're making, not only for yourself but for everybody else. People it- should be furious right now right it, it is it's infuriating to watch and we're seeing it more and more every year it doesn't matter if it's contract negotiations or just having a beef with a coach or a player or an organization or now this case with Kyrie Irving uh, I don't want to get vaccinated it's insane it's insane in the membrane my friend and what we need is more people that have the mentality and the smarts and the humbleness of the big seven footer big Bill Cartwright that's exactly what we need there you go. How's that public service announcement for you? Brought to you by like Froggies it. in Chicago, which I'm dying to go. I haven't been. I haven't been forever. I thought I was going to be there. I thought I was going to be there with the Aces in the Chicago Sky. And what happens? The Chicago Sky beat the Phoenix Mercury. They win it all. A parade in Chicago. Ah, good stuff for Chicago. Happy for the Sky. I just wanted to go to Froggies, man. I just wanted to go back to Froggies. Hey, we're trying. I was trying to get you there. I know, man. I know. All right, man. We will uh, let you go, man. We'll let you uh, enjoy some games there over there in San Francisco as they uh, get ready for the Warriors. And uh, it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing them. And I, and I want Clay Thompson back. He's not ready yet, but hopefully we get him back. I want to see him and Steph Curry in the backcourt there. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the next time we're going to talk, we're going to talk to the USF Dons. I, I really got something that I'm very. As a matter of fact, I think our Dons are playing uh, the Rebels this year. Uh, I I believe that is on the docket. Yeah, exactly. And we, you and I have been talking about this forever. It's about time they listened to us and got the schedule together. That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's right. And, and it's going to be at USF, so I think you could be in serious trouble. Oh, I see a road trip coming now. I see a road trip coming. No doubt. Come Me, on down. I'm, I'm come I'll on down. Ready. All right. And again, so it, it's going to be your turn. All right, your your turn to. Uh, Turn me on to a couple of your fine San Francisco, uh, you know, restaurants or steakhouses there. There it is. I got whatever, I got whatever you want. Ah, I love it. I love it. In fact, I just found a great sushi house, too. Yeah, well, you know, that's not my genre, man. There it is. You know, you're speaking a foreign language to me there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Find me a good soup well, and a good steak. Know. You know, again. I know. It does, it does take a little to broaden you, but we'll get to there. <laughs> that's it. All right, my man. Great talking to you. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you real quick. All right, guys. Later. There he is. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, talking about the NBA openers and the craziness that's going on in this league and what we're talking about with the Divas once again. All right. Speaking of Divas, Brian Selman comes up next. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and you're listening to T.C. Martin. He's huge, baby. Don't forget, come on, join us Fridays at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Back at it this week. Come on, enjoy the show. Best bet segment in effect. Matthew Holt will join us. Double B, Brian Benowitz, a cast of others. One of these days, we'll get our favorite 
sports director in town to join us. But then again, I would require him to, you know, get dressed up again. I don't know. Brian Salmon, insane in the membrane. Insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. <laughs> there what it is. Happened, well, we, we, got, we had to go insane in the membrane because we had opening night of the NBA, and it's just insane. Kyrie Irving, insane. Ben Simmons, insane. Marvin Bagley, insane. All those situations, insane to my membrane. It's taken away from the beauty of the opening night, B-Sal. Yeah, Kyrie Irving not playing with his team. Brooklyn got blowed out. The Bucs looking like they want to repeat, looking like the team that just won the championship, and they're still in midseason form right now. Yeah, no, that that was was fun to see. Uh, They had just the two games last night, and both of the games were great, man. You already know I'm a hooper, man. Like, I love basketball, so – I couldn't be any more excited that it's NBA season. I know we just spent the, the better part, uh, better part of this hour talking to the big seven footer, Big Bill Cartwright, and uh, oh. we, we hit we hit all of that, man. And again, you know the Warriors uh, impressive last night, and I can hardly wait for Clay Thompson to get back, man. It's been two years since we've seen Clay on the court, and the Warriors win. You know, despite not having him, they're still a very, very young team. And when you look at this Laker team, B-Sal, I mean, you've got Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and that's it. It's a whole new <laughs> roster. And then they're, they're sprinkling back, you know, the retreads. Rajon Rondo coming back. And this is the – I mean, I don't know if I can handle watching Dwight these guys. Howard. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, gee. <laughs> they, that, make, they, make me, they make you and I look young. That's insane in the membrane right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the Lakers, you're right, though. Uh, I think they said it last night where they have just three players that three. were on the roster last season. Two active three right now. Players. Just two active, two active right now. Yeah, yeah, with Davis and James. And then, you know, one guy who's not active right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. That is bananas. That's, yeah. But, hey, how about the Warriors winning that game and Steph played like garbage for the most I part? I know. Hey, speaking of garbage, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but uh, have you ever had a quadruple single before? A quadruple single? Yes. Yeah, that's what... Uh, I don't even know what that is. What is that? A quadruple single would be what Russell Westbrook did last night. I, I just I coined the phrase. Oh! I coined it. Yeah, Barkley says that. Yeah, that's right. Barkley said it. No, he didn't. I, well, you know, I coined this phrase. I never heard anybody else say it. B-Sal? You sure? Uh, I, I swear I've heard Charles Barkley or Shaq or one of those guys say that before. Really? Okay, the quadruple single last night. Russell Westbrook, eight points. Five rebounds, four assists, four turnovers. How's that? Yeah. Single no, he, digits, baby. I, I tried to tell folks, man, like people acting like the Lakers getting Russell, Russell Westbrook was some sort of huge get and big pickup. I literally just had this argument with a bunch of kids at the gym after playing them in basketball and, and dropping three-pointers on their head. You know, I always have to bring that. I always got to bring that up. Of course. And, uh, Make it rain! about... Make it rain! Rain dance! (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're talking about how Russell Westbrook is such a good player and he's going to do this and that. I say, man, nobody wants to play with Russell. I I don't care what kind of triple-doubles you have. What what does that let his team to? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Early exits. That's what it's led to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to hear all that Russell Westbrook triple-doubles and everything else. If it was so easy, why wouldn't everybody else do it? 
Okay, whatever. He got he has the triple doubles. He'll be known for that, but he won't be known for someone who has led his team to anything. There you go. And I always and uh, Numchuk just did the research. He said Charles Barkley coined the phrase triple single. So I have got the rights on the quadruple single. See, I, I threw in uh, I threw okay. in the turnover phase there. There you go. <laughs> Look at you. You're, you're an innovator. You're an innovator, oh, yes. my man. Absolutely. Don't you forget it. All right, man. <laughs> B. Sal is our guy over at News 3, making it happen, making it rain. Uh, B. Sal, what do, you, what do you think about these Raiders coming off that big victory last weekend? And they got a chance to, to make it back-to-back. He's got a Philadelphia Eagle town, uh, team coming to town this week. I know, man. How about that? I Listen to the press conference with Rich Basaccia, one and zero. He's undefeated. He's never going to lose a game as a head coach. Man. The guy is <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> um, but he doesn't yeah, give us that. I, I think, he doesn't give us the juicy sound bites, though. You know, I mean, the, the, those sound bites, and we played it on Monday. It just they weren't Gruden esque, you know. They are not Gruden esque, but uh, what the, the kind of sound bites that John Gruden was having <laughs> as of late were quotes aren't the kind of sound bites that are juicy that you want to play on the air. This is true. This is true. The media can have all kinds of fun with it, but fans are not too crazy, or, or Roger Goodell not too uh, crazy about it. Exactly. Uh, one thing that I thought was really cool about Rich Versace is that when he had his introductory press conference, he started crying. When someone asked him, just, you know, did you ever really think that you would be here? And just really, despite getting this job, like how, how uh, are you enjoying this moment? Yes. And uh, he talked. To me, he started talking about his father, and almost started breaking down. He's like, "Oh man, I'm start crying talking about that." So the raw emotion, I think, is really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now he's uh, he's. I think he's going to be good for him, a nice little calming, calming voice. But the big thing is, it's something that everybody in the Raiders talks about: is the fact that nobody really had to change any positions. Like the offensive coordinator is still Olsen. You know what I mean? The defensive coordinator is still Gus Bradley. They didn't have to move or do it except any new responsibilities. Everything is really status quo except for Rich Masaccia going from special teams and still now picking up a head coaching duty. So I, it looked look good, man. Yeah. It looked good. You know, we're, we're trying to find uh, that. And what you're talking about with Rich Masaccia, you know, his introductory press conference, you know, taking over the Raiders where – He's crying and he's so emotional. Uh, we're trying to find we're trying to find that press conference of Brian Salmon getting the job in Missoula, Montana. Uh, you know his his first job there. We're we're trying to locate that soundbite right now. That press conference. Do you, do you have access to it? Do we have permission to use it? You know, the Brian Salmon or the Rich Versace. You can find that. It'll be on. It's on the Raiders website. If you go to you go to YouTube, type in the Raiders. It'll pop up. No, we played that already. I'm talking about the Brian Salmon oh, press conference in Missoula, oh, Montana. <laughs> you know what? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, that's my that is that is my song. Curb Your Enthusiasm and Seinfeld are two of my favorite shows ever. As we, um, what are you talking about? we got all your favorite songs. Every time you come on, you say that about a different song. I, I know. Awesome. I know. Awesome. Favorite shows. Yes. Favorite shows. Like yeah. that, yeah. So, you know what? Missoula, Montana. I'm, I'm trying to think. I think the oldest thing that you can honestly find with me is if you go on YouTube, you can find stuff that I did when I was on Channel 13. When I, uh, I used to do a segment, you type it in, called Tap Out of the Week. And it was it was Brian Salmon at Channel 13 with a mustache inside of the octagon 
before fights on Saturdays with UFC fighters and them putting me in uh, jiu-jitsu moves. Oh, now, now, that? now that's being an innovator right there. I don't know what's more. It's really, yeah, I don't know what's more innovative. I mean, that the title or you and the mustache. <laughs> I used to have a little pretty boy Billy D. Williams mustache back in the day. Oh, look at that! Look at that! <laughs> hey, how about this though? That segment that I used to do was absolutely innovative. No one ever had done it. This is back in 2007 when people weren't even covering the UFC. Think about this. I was actually inside of the octagon with fighters and with a put a microphone on them. They're talking to the viewer through the different jujitsu moves they're doing. We edit it together and make it all nice and cool. And uh, and Dana White allowed me to get fighters. I went to him in his office like, hey, will you give me some fighters to do this? He's like, sure. And I did it every week. And this is the most this is the craziest thing about this. And this is in, unbelievable to anyone who knows the UFC. When we did these on Channel 13 and put it on the Channel 13 website, the UFC linked this particular package on the front page of UFC.com. Oh, on the wow. front page of UFC.com. That's how strong. Crazy is that? that's, that's how uh, you know, much behind it they were. I mean, they, they supported that big time. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I can tell you stories, man. Like, Dana White is like the guy. And I love Dana White. There are things that, like, that he – he wanted me to cover the, the very first fight they ever had in Houston. He was going to pay for me to go down to cover it, and I couldn't do it. My station wouldn't let me do it at the time. But he lit their very first fight, George St. Pierre and Matt Serra. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. It's the first fight in Houston. And he was going to pay for me to go down there to cover it for Channel 13. I, I want to know <laughs> how many times B-Sal actually tapped out, though. That's what I want to know. Oh, you can watch the video, man. I tapped out quick. <laughs> and my arm still hurts. The one that will probably pop up first is Rashad Evans. He was a light heavyweight champion, undefeated. He's the first person I ever did one with. And some guy just put these on YouTube. I never. Some guy who lived in Spain, if you look it up on the thing, the guy is like a Spanish dude. He put like five or six of them on, on YouTube. And uh, Rashad Evans was the first guy, and he tried to rip my arm out of socket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Breaking news, Fenway Park, and B-Sal knows all about Fenway Park as he worked back there back in the day. Jordan Alvarez does it again. Not a homer this time over the Green Monster, but into the corner, bouncing around there at Fenway Park. A two-run double. Jordan Alvarez, three. Boston Red Sox, nil right now. He's three for three. Let's go, Strohs, baby. Oh man, he has three, and the and the Red Sox has zero. There's, I love it. I love it. You can use that tonight, my uh, friend. Okay, just to go ahead and give me a little byline when you when you use it on the news tonight. Oh, uh, you, you're a hell of a guy for letting me allowing me to use it. Yeah, hey, <laughs> man, I saw you in Houston. Yes, well, you're down there for the early games, right? Yeah, I was there for games one and two. Man, you're a G. How about this? I got more for you because you, as you know, you more breaking news. Are old school. Okay, all right. Well, breaking news. Okay, yeah. let's hear it. Okay, here we go. So, you know that I worked in Beaumont, Texas. Yes. Worked in Beaumont, Texas. I covered the Astros during their very first World Series um, run when they played against the St. Louis Cardinals. I was down on the field for. Uh, I got pictures and everything else for the National League. Uh, divisional series, I think it was back then, because they were National League back then. Back then, right, right, so, right. Yeah, man, and it, it was Minute Maid Park, so yeah. I'm familiar with the yeah the area as well, man. So yeah. you and I, 
I, I, I worked in Boston. I covered the Astros. So I, I can't lie. I'm kind of pulling for the Astros to win. You should, as you should. There you go. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we can exchange uh, pictures and uh, not only pictures at Minute Maid Park, but uh, some food pictures as well, too. There you go. Me and oh, B. Sal, me and B. Sal on the field there at Minabane Park, outstanding stuff. And uh, no, nah, it's uh, you know it's funny you say Beaumont, Texas, because every time. So when I was going down the, the freeway there, and I saw Bo, you know Beaumont, uh, you know exits, and you know th- this way to Beaumont, Texas, what instantly came to mind? Beaumont Livingston. Does that name ring a bell for you? Beaumont Livingston. It's a it's a Quentin Tarantino Jackie Brown reference. Beaumont Livingston was Chris Tucker in Jackie Brown. Our reception's going out. There you go. Our reception's going. I don't know why I went there. Uh, B. Sal, you got a phone problem again. What's the deal over there? I don't know. See, we lost him. There he is. I know he's probably listening on the radio. Oh, I'm here. Oh, he's, he's back. I'm here. Yeah, Beaumont Livingston. No, I've been here. All right, go ahead. There you go. I don't know why I went there, but uh, you said Beaumont, Texas, so I had to say Beaumont Livingston. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Went right over your head. (laughs) It did. Way over my head. I don't know who Beaumont Livingston is. Beaumont, Beaumont, Texas is. Beaumont Livingston was Chris Tucker's character in Jackie Brown. Oh, wow. You see Jackie Brown? Strawberry Letter 23. Brothers Johnson playing Samuel Jackson puts Chris Tucker or Beaumont Livingston in the trunk. And he shoots him up, boom, and then they play Strawberry Letter 23 as he drives him a, a dead body, which is Beaumont Livingston, around. It's a, it's a great scene. <laughs> uh, here we go again, Numchuck. Peace out, you at least got a comment. You got to say something. Can't have dead air on the radio here. Okay, that's it. I'm done with him. I'm done. <laughs> Astros lead the Red Sox 3 nothing. Like I said, Jordan Alvarez 3, Red Sox nil. You got to like that. All right. Uh, why <laughs> we got to work because the circus or a pitching change because Chris Sale has now exited the showers. Chris Sale. Was talking all kinds of trash after he struck out Carlos Correa. Was jumping around the mound. Red Sox fans are going crazy last inning. This inning, oh, he gets Jordan Alvarez to the showers. You got to like that, don't you? There he goes. All right. Numbchuck likes it when I talk about the showers. Reminds you of Penn State, doesn't it? There you go. <laughs> Do we have Bissell back? Is he around? Is he there? Yes, I'm here. I can hear you the whole time. Well, what's listen? No more interviews. All right, or are these conversations when you're driving around? I don't know. You got some bad reception. I mean, you got to either be in studio on location of the Cosmopolitan or in your office somewhere. I mean, come on, that, that's going to be the rules here. That's got to be the rule. Hey, man, I I do have to work as well. And as you know, <laughs> what you were probably going to talk about is that yes. there's a Golden Knights game tonight. So I'm yes. I'm at. I'm at T-Mobile Arena because I'll be live on television in an hour. That's right. So I had to come. All right, yeah, real quick. All right, we got about a minute left. So quick plug: uh, Golden Knights back in action tonight. Coming off a loss, man, they got to get the job done. Ah, uh, Golden Knights, man. The first game in five days. No Mark Stone. No Max Pacioretty. But Brian Salmon will be in the building. That's right. Channel three, five o'clock, six o'clock. 
10 o'clock CW, 11 o'clock Channel 3. We got your highlights, baby. How about that? Does that work for you? That works, that works for me <laughs> as long as it works for you. Absolutely. And, yeah, he'll be uh, in front of T-Mobile Arena looking uh, looking right dapper as he always does. And, again, you won't be sweating bullets, too. You don't have to worry about, you know, the big heat waver, you know, like we've had before. Man. You know? I know that's right. Hey, and I got a jacket that you'll appreciate, man. This is one of my this is one of my uh, Craig Sager's finest. <laughs> nice. Okay, Craig. Oh, my goodness. I can hardly wait to see that one. All right, my man. We will uh, be watching for you. Appreciate uh, the time today, man. And again, we got it all. We got some NBA. We got some Major League Baseball. We got Texas. We got Boston in the mix. A little Missoula, Montana, and a little insane in the membrane with Cypress Hill. I mean, come on. Where yes. else can you? Where else and, can you get that Jackie package? Brown. And Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown too. Come on, man. One of one of one of the one of the great uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, man. With a great soundtrack. Uh, Phenomenal soundtrack. Yes. Yes. And Pam Greer. I can't, stre- I can't stress Pam Greer enough. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. It, maybe maybe Pam Greer 20 years too late, but still uh, Pam Greer looking good at, at an advanced age in that movie. Still rock solid. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Pam Greer is Pam Greer, baby. Yeah. Foxy Brown yes. is Foxy Brown. And unlike Brian Salmon, Pam Greer still sporting the fro. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, man. Too black, too strong. Oh, there you go. All right, power to the people, brother. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Let's go to go out with a little Brothers Johnson today. There you go, B Sal. A little strawberry letter. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Where else can you get this? You can't get this anywhere else. Tell Jesse Merrick he better get hip to the old school. <laughs> All right. Peace out. Catch him tonight, man. 5, 6, 10, 11 between Channel 3, the CW. He's there. I want to thank the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, for joining us. Also, Paul Buckpower Stewart from England. Great segments there. And kicking off the show today, my man, Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank. Sounding better. Doing well. Appreciate him as well. We're back at it tomorrow. You know who's joining us tomorrow? Baseball talk, baby. Steve Sachs in the house. How many earthquake references will there be tomorrow? What's the over-under on that, Chuck? How many times will we laugh? And will Steve Sachs be able to finish the interview or the conversation tomorrow without laughing hysterically? No. Yeah. So Sachs will join us. Scott Spritzer will join us tomorrow. We start handicapping. The college football and the NFL weekend as well, too. And UNLV in action tomorrow night at Allegiant Stadium against San Jose State. Five-point underdog, by the way. Oh, yeah. Slot machine on the sideline. I'll be there. We'll check it out. Miss any part of the show? Go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. we see you tomorrow at T.